Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What gives your life meaning? Is it family, friendship, doing good works, taking part in sport, art or some other activity? Or perhaps it's a combination of these. For Unthinkable today, I'm joined in the Irish Times studio by Professor Tom Inglis, Professor of Sociology at University College Dublin, who's been exploring the question of what makes life meaningful and how Irish people respond to it for a unique and it's fair to say landmark study. The findings are explained in a new book, Meanings of Life in Contemporary Ireland, Webs of Significance, from Palgrave Macmillan. While Inglis says it's impossible to capture all the webs of meaning in contemporary Ireland, certain patterns can be identified. One of the main findings, he writes, was just how little the Catholic Church, not just the Catholic Church, but religion in general, was part of the cultural fabric of everyday lives of people. There were few indications that God was in their minds and hearts and on their lips, he said, that religion provided them with either the model or explanation of life and that it was a model for how they should live their lives. So, Tom English, you're very welcome to the studio. Can I start by asking you just to explain the nature of the study? Uh... I have been working in the area of religion and understanding uh, more the institution of religion and and how it relates to power. And I realized that uh, one of the things that I hadn't looked at was the the way in which religion uh, provides uh, meaning uh, in everyday life. Uh, Religion, obviously, uh, is traditionally seen as providing the you know, basic values, beliefs and practices by which we know and understand ourselves and the world in which we live. Um, and I had done social surveys. And in fact, that's how I, I, I got into the business, so to speak. Um, but social surveys and opinion polls um, touch on the surface of something that is uh, very deep and often unexplained. And it's a what. Uh, I would call a taken-for-granted way of being in the world. Um, And the question was, uh, could I get at this meaning and and get at the sense of um, the way in which people uh, uh, created and sustained meanings in their everyday lives? Um, And then I had this idea of, of instead of doing a survey, I would do... I I take a random sample of 100 people from around Ireland, um, even the sample alone would have cost me 2000 and since I didn't get any funding for the study, I had to be more uh, uh, realistic in how I'd go about doing this. Uh, but what I, what I tried to do is I took five areas, um, a middle-class area in Dublin, a working-class area, and then three areas around the country. And in each area, I interviewed uh, 20 people who I got a local contact to select for me. And as much as and it worked out, I got a selection of, of good selection of men and women from different social classes, uh, from rural and urban. And then, you know, a selection of, you know, a, a traveller, um, f- five or six uh, immigrants, um, somebody who was disabled. Mm. These are what I would call uh, voices. I'm not saying that this was a representative study, but I wanted to capture... 
uh, in the same way as a, a botanist might have come into Ireland and tried to uh, you know, capture a hundred f- flowers or, or, mm. or, or, or um, a zoologist coming in and trying to p- capture a hundred people. Um, and to say, well, it, it isn't completely unrepresentative, nor is it scientifically representative. But I wanted then to, if you like, as much as possible within an interview and, and uh, to get under their skin, to, you know, to, to get into their shoes. Mm. I, uh, and the, the question, I mean, there, you had a questionnaire and you did an interview mm. and you were asking about meaning. So, I mean, just take that alone. I mean, it was, it was essentially what they valued. Is that the kind of what you're after primarily? The first thing I did, as if I sat, sat that down with you, I would ask, you know, tell me, Joe, how you came to be the way you are. I didn't ask you that question exactly. But it was really, tell me about yourself. And during that time, I was trying to orientate myself and, and, and if you like, things that you said about yourself. So uh, what I, didn't have a qu- I had a, a kind of a, a, a number of, of areas that I wanted to cover that I thought would be generally relevant. But if you started talking to me about the importance of your grandfather, I would let you go with it. Uh, in your life and how your life was 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 still looking after and caring for your grandfather uh, then I would realize that's the main meaningful thing in your life and and, and not to be distracting you by asking what do you think of American politics mm. and I think you were you're approaching it from the point of view of hearing exactly how they live their lives rather yeah. than maybe how they might articulate or, or, or sometimes tell a story about what's valuable to them because if you fill out a questionnaire maybe you'll fill out something completely different and that's what I was trying to get at. In 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 terms of there, there's m- many different problems in doing what we we'll make. This is an area of qualitative research, and there is a, a, a problem of um, some of the people of not being sufficiently detached. Uh, whereas my argument would be you're not sufficiently involved. So if you're studying meaning and you think I am just some kind of robot who's asking the questions then it isn't a conversation, no more than this would be. You would say, I don't understand, what's this geek doing asking me all these strange questions? Because there wouldn't be a level of trust, there wouldn't be a level of communication. Mm -hmm. So it is that ability to look in the eye and at the same time to say or try and communicate to them, I'm really interested in you. And I genuinely was, Mm. and that was for more personal reasons, but I I was genuinely interested, uh, sorry, not personal, but also scientific. But I I, I was... genuinely interested in who they were and, and if you like, what made their lives meaningful. Mm. And I think that comes across very strongly in the book. You, you, you get to know the characters that you meet. Mm. You know, it's not just people who fit brackets for, for a, a sociological purpose. Mm. Or you, you do, though, kind of, I suppose you, you piece it together and you try and make sense of them at all. And you, you maybe try to detect patterns. And I think people would be interested to hear you, the general findings you had. I mean, one of them, as mentioned at the outset there, was um, although religion would play mm. a strong no- place notionally in people's lives, the, the census, the latest census will probably show that again. A lot of people declaring themselves as religious. But maybe in, in practical terms, uh, religion doesn't really feature strongly. Yeah, I, there is a, a big debate in sociology of religion as to whether uh, societies are becoming more secular or not. And, um, and the question then is also, where do people's, if you like, fundamental beliefs and values come from? In the vast majority of cultures today and the vast majority of cultures throughout history, those values have come from religion. But the, the way in which, if, if you like, those values uh, become um, uh, changed from official church doctrine, become, if you like, flexible, manable, 
um, and adapted to new changing conditions. So, you know, church teaching is one thing, and the way that church teaching is operated in everyday life. So, yes, in many respects, a lot of the traditional values and beliefs uh, that Irish people, Irish people, but uh, Irish Catholics being the majority, have come from church teaching. But um, it's the way that these have, if you like, um, been sifted down and the way they're operated in everyday life um, that they don't correspond to official church doctrine by a long way, uh, nor are they completely secular. Um, but what I would say is, is that um, uh, uh, people have adapted and th- I think what they do is they make use of traditional values and beliefs in the context and circumstances uh, in which they find them and in a way that suits them. Uh, so, yes, uh, I would say that the majority of, of Catholics were moving from orthodox to what I call cultural Catholics. Cultural Catholics are, are they're quite happy to send their children to Catholic school. They're quite happy to have uh, uh, communions, marriages, births, deaths uh, within uh, the auspices of the Catholic Church. There is a struggle going on as to who controls those uh, rites of passage and how much the church can intervene. But I didn't find any huge um, uh, willingness uh, or anxiety uh, to go out and get rid of the church in their lives. No, Uh, people are quite happy to, to have it there. But in terms of their everyday lives, in terms of the way it operates in terms of the home, in terms of going to work, in terms of the leisure activities, the church and indeed religion seemed to me to be a, a background that didn't even preside in its absence. I would say the vast majority of people have been colonized by the market, mm. that we live, we, but they live, uh, as good consuming capitalists. The question is, are they good Catholic consumer capitalists? No. Mm. Are they good consumer capitalists? Yes. And has the market and the media penetrated their lives far more than religion? Yes. Actually, one of the things that I was very struck by in in the findings, you said that um, very few of the people you interviewed had a very definite explanation of what their life was about. Mm -hmm. And it kind of tied in as well, I think you made the observation that there was was almost a lack of curiosity about interrogating values or what the point of their life was or asking the the big questions, what's the meaning of life? There was one uh, civil servant, I think you interviewed, who talked about the unexamined life not worth living and mentioned Socrates and so on. And then then went on to say, well, actually, but I think my brother, who doesn't really examine all these things is much happier than I am and actually maybe be better off spending less time by uh, reflecting on it. I think that, again, for me would be a, a key finding, is that one would have the impression that uh, it's necessary to work out the meaning of life. I have this idea of, of a kind of a, a, a rational Kantian mind, you know, kind of trying to figure out exactly how all these pieces fit together. Uh, the reality for most of my th- is that they live with uh, a high level of ambiguity, a high level of scepticism, uh, a high level of, of contradictory beliefs and values. So they don't sit down and say, now I'm going to have to rationalize uh, the way I think about what happens when I die. Sometimes I think I, I, I might be reincarnated. Sometimes I might think about heaven, but I haven't really thought about what heaven is really, uh, about who gets in and how they get in and what's it like. So they, you know, you would imagine that heaven uh, being a key part of salvation religion, 
that people would be very clear about uh, what's it like and who gets in and who doesn't get in. But in fact, people uh, have decided uh, that, uh, well, there's no answer to these questions. And they're not going to be bothered trying to find the answer to these questions. So it is um, the the idea of working out a definite position. So I'd say, Joe, um, you know, what is it mean? And, and that you would have a, a, a rational, consistent mm-hmm. um, explanation. And I said, but you said this. No, people don't do that. And you found it consistent, if you like, among those who said they mm-hmm. had a faith and maybe those who didn't. It yes. It was the same, effectively. Um, the, the people would go on accepting the, the lack of certainty. Or uh, Yes. And, and uh, so in, in the middle of the interview, I, I, would, I was asking people about other things. And then suddenly I say, I would look at them and I say, do you believe in God? And the answers to that were, well, now, uh, there you go. I suppose I do. Uh, I go to Mass, like, but, um, well, God, ooh, yeah, that's a big question. And uh, that's kind of a, a general idea. But you were right in the sense of that Orthodox people might say uh, that, or they might say some, well, that's what we were led to believe, or that's what we were told. Uh, but it wasn't, there was one person said to me, do I, believe? I passionately believe in God. And she was from Nigeria, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she had uh, converted from, from Muslim. Um, I interviewed people who were um, one ex-priest, one priest, and, and, and people who were, if you like, on the committed level of being Catholic. And there was ambiguity. There was um, a little bit of skepticism. You know, very little definitive fundamental uh, values. Could I finally ask, maybe a bit cheekily, yeah. if if I was to put you in the other seat from the the sociologist mm-hmm. and I was doing the study, um, what gives your life meaning? This is the interesting thing. I, I, in in some respects, I am a sociologist, and I spent most of my life trying to understand how I've come to be the way I am. So when I'm asked those questions as to about who I am, I I have this idea that there is nothing more to Tom Inglis other than he was born and bred in South middle class or South Dublin in a middle class family and that uh, that I am like some other man um, like most other Irish men of that era and at the same time unlike any now why did I get involved in uh, in meaning because after my wife Aileen died almost 11 years now I started writing about emotion and I started writing about love and I wanted to understand how emotions and love um, uh, if you like uh, are such a fundamental part of, of human life if I was to be asked what makes me tick it's one word love Tom Inglis thank you Hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade.